Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us for the um, weekly update on this Friday morning. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good to be with you, Nahum. I appreciate that. Uh, what is your opening message to the Jewish world in light of the uh, massacre in the Pittsburgh Shul uh, this past Shabbos? You know, it's quite amazing as you were talking. I was thinking about the fact that it feels like we just hung up on last Friday, and then the horrendous news came, and I went to Pittsburgh on on Sunday already, and I was at the vigil, the big vigil that they had, an incredible event and really a, a ray of light within the darkness when you saw the people of every faith, ethnicity, race come together. When they called on the clergy, I mean, scores of them marched up from imams to ministers to um, um, Greek Orthodox, every and the the crowd itself, and thousands of people waited outside in the rain. And there were hundreds of such vigils across the country um, as well. So, you know, it is a, it is same. And I saw that the synagogue, and we saw young people, children, bringing flowers and laying them there, and. Uh, I mean, people clearly were not Jewish, and people came up, and they were just hugging anybody they could find. Mm. Uh, it, it's, it was remarkable, and I'm sure you saw it. Yeah, you it's, it's funny Pittsburgh. you say this. This ended up being one of our big themes. It's incredible. I mean, look, you're a Pennsylvania boy, but but nonetheless not from that area, but I'm sure you're very familiar with Squirrel Hill. It's incredible uh, what kind of neighborhood it is and how historically everyone has been so diverse and gets along so well. And as you know, it's a really geographically tight-knit neighborhood. It's not like there's a lot of space for people to be all over the place. People are... Well, there are beautiful homes there. It's it's quite uh, quite large in, in much of it. Uh, I, and I used to go there regularly. I had an aunt who lived there, not just five, two minutes, five minutes from the synagogue. Um, and uh, so we were there a lot. And, of course, I visited Pittsburgh since then. It's it's a wonderful community in general. And the... Um, uh, the yeshivas there, the Kolel is located in Squirrel Hill. But uh, I think if there's one message to take away, one is that it, it's a tragedy that we have to have such a horrible event to bring people together, mm-hmm. both within our community and outside. I think it's disgraceful how people try to exploit any difference, any word, anything for to, to read the divide. So glad you said that. I think it's uh, imperative that we put more emphasis on rooting out the anti-Semitism in the in, in the internet, the hatred on the internet. There has to be ways. There are programs where you can identify uh, people engaged in 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 fomenting violence, in encouraging violence, and in instructing to violence. Uh, that has to be dealt with. And I think it's a, a singular message to our community is that it, this can't dissipate when the funerals stop. If we don't sustain this effort, meaning security, security, security in every institution, in every community, these are it's a deterrent. It's not a prevention. It's deterrence. But deterrence can save lives. You know, we trained through SCAN, the Secure Community Network, which I've spoken about before and which is available to everybody, everybody. Go to senus.org. You can call up the Secure Community Network. Any institution, anybody has a problem, we can. Uh, they can help. They do training. They've done online training uh, where hundreds of, of uh, principals and others participated. Uh, but in that synagogue, when they did the exercise, they found that the fire doors weren't working. 
It was through those fire doors that were fixed then that people escaped. Wow. And that the rabbi knew what to do because they did a lone shooter exercise. And it's something you don't have time to think of when it happened. So every school should be having it. And again, I'm going to push this idea, which for 10 years I've tried to, and that is that every school, when you sign your child up, you agree to one day guard duty at the school so that you are outside. And you, if parents are outside and you have schools with you know, 500 children, you don't have to do more than one day. And, and if you can do two days, it's great. If you have to do if a half a day, it's fine also uh, if you have enough children. But having three, four people outside at every entrance because a parent knows who belongs and who doesn't belong more than a security guard would. Wow. A, a uniform guard, fine. But cameras do not cost a lot. And we have to press the government for more money in this program. You know, we, we get $25,000 grants for, for institutions uh, across the country. And, and, uh, and I think that right now is the right time to enhance any program that will and any effort that will uh, enable us on every front. And, and you know, somebody questioned me, a reporter, why, why I said uh, about the anti-Semitism law, it doesn't address white nationalists. No, it, defined, it goes after anti-Semitism. And whatever the source, and I don't care if they're right or left, Republican, Democrat, we have to go after everybody. We have some Republican congressmen right now we have problems with. We have certainly Democratic congressmen, the, the Farrakhan or David Duke. It doesn't matter. We have to hold them to account. And if they're not clear in their condemnations, if they don't stand up, you know, Hamas and, and the PA both issued statements on Pittsburgh. You know, but I don't want words. I want actions, and I want them to translate those commitments and those words into deeds, and not to do it just, you know, for the while the cameras are still hot and the camera and the and the spotlight is shown on on it, and you, you're hoping to get a picture and, and something that they can send back. It's really imperative, and we we should build on the dynamic. It reminds us of the importance of building coalitions. And that means at the local level and at the state oh. level and the federal level. And to to we are going to work to reestablish a, an international network of all the Jewish security agencies. Uh, and uh, hopefully we'll have uh, enhanced the work of SCAN. And uh, everybody can help make a difference. And whether you decide that, you know, people should be trained with guns or not guns, I mean, you have to be careful with it. But every option should be considered. Um, okay, you, you've hit on so many themes that I want to ask you about. First of all, I mean, the, the, the outrage of the PA releasing a statement, and the Hamas even more so, obviously. I mean, I, I, it just... It, it, Hypocrisy. It's, it's a level of chutzpah, frankly, that is, is, is usually unheard of, but they have the ability and the nerve to go ahead and do it. Um, the, I hold, look, I hold the New York times responsible. You know, they're the leaders in many areas of news, as you know, unfortunately, uh, this whole issue of, of highlighting the divisiveness in the Jewish world and Malcolm, the, the, the joke of how they describe divisiveness, this, this silly issue about whether people refer to it as a synagogue and Naftali Bennett, what right he has to come here because of his conflict with immigrants in Tel Aviv. The whole, if you examine the, 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 the things that they're, that they're, uh, uh, per, that they are proclaiming are dividing us. These are silly. Again, I'm not saying they're not important issues, but that they're silly issues compared to the big picture. And the New York Times makes a massive deal about this, and everyone follows their lead. But it's not just the New York Times. I think you are right about them, but um, 
I mean, all the media and, and the specific reference, and we should say it, that the, the allegations which started in Israel, that the chief rabbi refused to call in synagogue and, and, and when the truth is the exact opposite. Rabbi Billup called to my attention the, the, the interview, and it turns out, and he did a translation which led to retractions, and I have to say, I have to credit JTA, that Ford others at least admitted that they were wrong. He, and if you read the interview, he did the exact opposite. He said, what's the difference what kind it is? These were Jews. It's the only place they were praying there. Torahs there, there. You know, he was putting down the difference, and they tried to portray it. And you know that it caused immense pain in, in Pittsburgh, everywhere. Everybody was coming up to me and yep. so upset about it. And I yeah. said, look, I, I'm not going to come. They asked me for a comment and stuff. And I said, no, I, I have to hear what he said. I, I, I mean, I wouldn't do it with anybody until I know what they actually said. And the the um, so you're absolutely right about it, and and it's not just the times. I think it's it's uh, the the media's rush to anything that they can sustain the attention. It's like you know when a storm is coming, how they hype it and hype it, and all of a sudden you know we'll get a drizzle. Um, it doesn't mean you don't warn people if you think that a storm is coming, and we have been warning, and we've been trying to get people alerted and aware of it. We certainly haven't shied away from talking about the rise in anti-Semitic incidents, but to blame individual leaders to, to, to divert attention, it's, it's horrific. And Bennett's presence, it was a spontaneous reaction as part to come in the same way that, God forbid, when there's a terrible incident in, in Israel, we often get on a plane and go just to show solidarity, to show support. Yep. And I spent time with him there. He, he, he was not at all the way it was portrayed. He spoke very nicely and was well-received at the uh, at the ceremony, at the uh, vigil, um, and uh, and he did not look to, to just exploit. He met with people. He met with the government. We met with the congressman. I met the, with the governor. We saw others when we came there. And the community, I called the community before I would go. I asked them, and they told us, please do come. said, you know, and they announced us at their vigil. They couldn't have been more accommodating, and we didn't want to burden them. So we, we just you know, went with the flow. We didn't ask them to, to do anything special for us. But th- you show unity at a moment like that. So the criticism of Bennett, of others, uh, uh, Mr. Herzog is coming now, the head of the Jewish agency, this right. weekend to Pittsburgh. They won't criticize it. But because they can politicize anything, then we see that, that they exploit it. If I could be both philosophical and practical for a moment, um uh, we had Chief Monahan on just about a half hour ago, and he was reassuring both New Yorkers and because he does represent, in a way, colleagues around the country, uh, really everybody in the United States, that police forces are obviously going to be <clears throat> very aware of uh, synagogue services and services of all faiths taking place uh, this weekend. And, of course, we thank them. Um, but the I, I mention this because of the public official response. You know, if you, again, philosophical for a second, and we should stop and think about this for a moment. If you told some of our ancestors that public officials would speak the way the mayor of Pittsburgh did, the way the governor of Pennsylvania did, the way the chief of police did this morning about protecting Jewish citizens and going beyond the call of duty to not only, of course, protect us, but put their lives in front of our lives, many of our ancestors would find it very hard to believe, and I think that that has to be acknowledged that we are living in a unique place with an amazing advantage that we could take of the freedom of religion. And as we go to shul tonight, we should keep that in mind. You know what? It's it's a very important point, and it does tell you why America is unique. 
uh, you know, we've had tragedies in Europe. People spoke out, they condemn, but never the kind of broad reaction that the Steelers put a, a mug and dove in on their logo <laughs> right. or in uniform or the, the, or the president, the, the senators who came there, other leaders, religious leaders of every kind and, and events everywhere were overflowing. Uh, I saw the pictures of Washington in 24 hours, 5,000 people here, every, everywhere there was. And Chief Moynihan was, is a really unique individual. I have great respect for him and admiration for him. And he's somebody who's sensitive to this. He's, you know, he, he is a New Yorker. He knows, he knows our community. He knows New York. And uh, his word should be taken seriously because of the copycat phenomenon. We know that there were acts of desecration around the country over the last few days. Uh, thank God no assaults that I know of, but it's inevitable. One of our, I'm sorry. This cat is let out of bag. I mean, we're going to have a trial with this guy. We're going to have other things that uh, will come up uh, as uh, hopefully law enforcement goes after those responsible for the Internet incitement that, that we have to stay vigilant and realize that it can happen anywhere. Uh, and of course, you're you're uh, alluding to Beth Jacob in California, Brooklyn, New York, and other places that have had incidents that you just described over right. the last few days. Um, two notes about synagogues. I mean, look, you, and I know you said this earlier in this conversation, but just to reiterate, you've been preaching this at least on this show for almost a quarter of a century, and that is how vi- vigilant rabbis and presidents of our synagogues and schools have to be in this area, and there's no doubt this is going to be a wake-up call. We, we we know what has happened in the past. You know, two, three months, people are very vigilant, and then things t- tend to slack off. There could be no slacking off at this point in this country. Because, and, and it's not going to get better. It's, it's, we have to understand that it's, uh, it's endemic. That's why we fight BDS, because it is anti-Semitism, and it cites violence on our campuses and creates an atmosphere uh, in, in the community at large and in the American society. We have to fight those who, you know, if a Farrakhan appears and we have and calls us termites, there has to be universal condemnation, and especially from those who have been associated with them in the same way. We would expect it of anybody if, if uh, it, you know, if somebody equivalent in the Jewish community would say something like that, you can be sure they would be isolated and condemned and, and worse. And the the uh, standard has to be a universal one, and it has to be applied. And also about synagogues, you know, our colleagues, our friends, our relatives in Israel are correct that, you know, unfortunately, the, the, these things happen even more regularly uh, uh, there where people, uh, you know, uh, unfortunately become victims of terror attacks. Uh, but there's something about our history of synagogues being used to trap and murder Jews. And we know that uh, that this is a... Uh, this is something that's uh, you know a, a, a glaring part of our history in in many different generations in many different centuries, and I think one of the last things we ever expected, especially in the diaspora and especially in the U.S., is that again in 2018 a synagogue would be used to trap and murder Jews in a massacre like this in a synagogue, and I think that that's what gave this an extra level of sensitivity and fear and for many you know recollections of world war ii and other periods of time you're absolutely right and one of the things and we can have forestall a lot of questions to you if people wrote me from all over the world how come you don't have government guards how in australia in south africa in europe they pay for guards outside the synagogues well for one thing you know it would mean that you'd have to put guards outside virtually every institution 
Second, you know, I, I looked into programs. I think I discussed this on the air years ago when I came back from Britain. I learned that they put film, a special film, inside the windows of every institution, synagogue, schools, because if there's an explosion, it's the glass that shatters that causes the damage. And, you know, they did it, but it cost them a few million dollars. When we want to try to do it here, it would cost hundreds of millions of dollars. We have more shuls in Borough Park than they have in, in many countries. And so the cost of, of – and because of the scale – of instituting kind of, uh, you know, asking government, the police department, put a policeman in front of every shul, every day, every Shabbos, every day that there's a minion. That's impossible. And the the standards here are, are, are different. The traditions here are different. They're not going to bring the National Guard to stand in front of every yeshiva. But that's why we have to do our part and supplement it and make it possible then that the presence of a uniformed police officer at times and others will be at least a, a sufficient to protect our institutions. You know, so it's, you know, it's a different circumstance. It's very easy for people to, to yell, put a guard in every place. And they, know, but they've got to think about it. the costs that are entailed. I agree that there's no value on a human life that is matched. So whatever it costs we should do, guards can be hired. But, you know, we, we have different circumstances. People said, you know, in Europe, the Israelis train, uh, help train young people they're not allowed to do it here. There's an agreement between the countries. So SCAN does it. Others have uh, programs. We have the volunteer CSS program. We have other uh, institutional investments. We have organizations that really focus on monitoring anti-Semitism and making recommendations. And and Congress has been very good in enacting legislation, the definition of anti-Semitism, which people will say, why do you care? Everybody knows what it is. No, if you don't have a legal standard, you can't measure against it. And especially holding universities to account when anti-Semitism manifests and they don't do anything about it. Uh, and it's interesting you say this about the um, uh, trying to have a police, police officer at every service. When we were visiting with the Pittsburgh Police Department yesterday, they said to us, you know, for every special event, we are there at the synagogue. For any event going on, we're there. And I think that that was what he was alluding to, that it's impossible to do it on a you know regular daily basis. But obviously when there's a high-profile event going on you know the the cops are there to serve and uh we got to keep this in mind that we can't expect as you just pointed out the government to take care of all of this especially three times a day seven days a week so everybody has to step up and become more vigilant in this area if there's one lesson uh to learn from this episode it is america's one and only jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners sponsored digital radio around the world the web and com and the Siegel network and of course on the beloved NSN app. So no doubt you're uh, aboard with the show up for Shabbat uh, a hashtag for tonight and for tomorrow. You'd like to see the synagogues full. Let's take full advantage of this amazing country and the freedom of religion that we enjoy here. And it, and it would be, a, a as we say all the time when it comes to terror attacks, it would be a, a strong, defiant uh, message of strength for people to be in shul tomorrow. And every shul should be overflowing. And if uh, others want to stand outside and show solidarity or not Jewish, I think all of those things are are uh, valid expressions and would should be welcome. There are many programs. There's one that wants a moment of silence tomorrow at 945. And I told them, you know, that's in the middle of davening. <laughs> They're never going to get silence in all the shows. They're all busy talking. They're not going to have a moment of silence. But... Uh, but seriously, I think they, all of these ideas of, of showing that we don't succumb to the fear and to the terrorists and to the haters, that we, we be defiant by, by showing that we're going to do even more. 
And I think that is an important message. It's amazing how the collective Jewish heart aches worldwide when things like this happen. For that, we should be very proud. I wish you could see the letters I received from so many places in the world. And, of course, because we rally to them whenever there's a terrible thing. And, you know, we we visit them. We we try to be supportive of communities that, that need it. And this was their chance, I think, to really say, and it wasn't saying, oh, you see, you too are, are victims. It was to say, you know, we are with you too. Oh, and by the way, Rabbi Wasserman reminded us that the rabbi of the synagogue where the attack took place is, is an Orthodox man, and that he was convinced by his own security officials and the police to have a phone in shul on Shabbos to use. And, of course, he ends up being the first one to call 911 and to get the cops there as soon as possible. So we should keep that in mind. And I mentioned yesterday, it may have been off the air, that if, in fact, rabbis start to keep phones in their stender, and I know that this is happening in a lot of places now where rabbis, you know, have it within an arm's length distance, make sure the phone is on. Do not leave time for the phone to be turned on. Make sure it's on the entire Shabbos. And if, God forbid, it's necessary, you have it at the ready. And uh, as we know, the moment you call police, obviously the situation can change uh, drastically. And panic buttons are right. another way, you know, that if they're placed appropriately, that uh, an emergency alert uh, can be sent. You know, there are people who are saying that we should have guns in every synagogue. And a friend of mine told me, he said, but don't give it to the rabbi because he'll start shooting everybody <laughs> who's talking <laughs> during his sermon. A joke, of course, folks. A joke, of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> joke. But, but uh, you know, there are steps that can be taken, as you said, not only keeping a phone uh, in, in or two in strategic places, and to have people trained, but in, in the shul, just to do a training. You go online, you can see how to do it. Because if you're not, if your reaction isn't instinctive, you don't have time to think. Remember in Connecticut, because the teachers didn't load their trading right. uh, training, they they knew how to respond at the second and put everybody in the closet and yeah. lock the doors and, and things. So it's, it, you know, it's really life-saving. It's, it's incredibly important. And those who were saved this time around were in dark, secluded areas as well. And luckily, thank God, uh, they survived. All right. Um, we, we know it's Election Day on Tuesday. You've, you've said many times over the last few weeks how critical this election is across the country. Not that any election is not critical. <clears throat> and, um, you know, it's funny, you, you, you talked about getting involved. I, I just was made aware this week of a United States Congress member who had no interest in meeting with AIPAC, who had no interest in hearing why the Iran deal is bad, who had no, but because of the relationship that certain members of our community established with them, all of a sudden, a couple of years later, are willing to have these meetings and willing to consider, you know, these types of themes and these types of issues it takes time sometimes. You know, Election Day is going and vote, and, of course, we encourage that. But even afterwards, people have to realize if they sow the seeds and really get to know their elected officials, they can make a big difference. And there's a process of education. Many of the members of Congress, I, I saw an interview with one who won by fluke and said very dangerous things to us, for us, for Israel. Uh, but when pressed by it, it finally said, I don't know anything about geopolitical things. I don't know. I didn't understand. I didn't know. You know, I, I meant settlements. I didn't mean Israel. I meant this. I meant that. So, number one, there's got to be a process of education. If somebody's going to be in the office, at least you've got to give them the benefit of the doubt that it's ignorance and not hate and, and bias. Second, and if it is, in the end, you've got to identify it. And people have to look at the voting records and the statements of people who are running to know uh, how to vote, and sometimes a protest vote is important to send a message. And um, 
And and it can't be just the, the, this week. It has to be ongoing. And I, I credit some of the community groups like FJCC who, 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 who have been meeting with them, and they we encourage them to uh, to encourage the elected officials. It makes a difference. So we have to reach out to them if they're not reaching out to us. 100%. And those meetings are so much more effective than most people think. Uh, this Tuesday is Election Day. As I said, I will continue to remind people up until then how important it is to vote. And Malcolm, and you know a lot of people from different states listening right now, no matter what state they're in, they've got to make sure to show up at the polls on Tuesday. 100%. And no race is unimportant. Numbers count. The very fact that they see in Jewish areas that the turnout is big is very important. And it will affect the next election as well. And we have had candidates this time who do not want to meet with the Jewish community and who do not uh, um, uh, aren't receptive and haven't been receptive. And we we have to take note of that. And people should know and look into the voting records of everybody or the views because many of them are new. You know, we're going to have in Congress this time several, maybe half a dozen candidates, uh, uh, elected officials, who are hostile to to Israel. Well. Yeah. Some of them will change. Some of them have been slightly mislabeled. Some have already tried to tone down their their previous comments, uh, maybe because they did engage in dialogue or because people were able to talk to them about the, the stance they took. But the overall, I think Congress will be strong, whether we have divided houses and how that will impact uh, many important pieces of legislation that are still pending, including the Anti-Semitism Awareness Act, the BDS legislation, etc. Oh, there's so many things. Congress is important. People yeah. think it's the, just the president. No, it is Congress where much of the legislation we care about initiates. And the uh, so every congressional district counts, every state assembly, every city council, everything. You know that we're seeing now the BDS movement is moving to municipal a municipal front and off campus and using the same systems that they organize for that to to start to organize in uh, city councils places like that so everybody every level of government is important and we know that hostile groups have made a decision and are electing people as committee people as uh, local offices to local offices because they know that they will move up in the system as we are seeing this year already emerging on a federal level right uh, all right, speaking of public officials, and I'll get criticized if I don't bring it up, um, I-, I would think that if President Trump's predecessor was still president, I would encourage him and welcome him to go to Pittsburgh. Uh, I think the only proper response from anybody who cares in our community, and kudos to Rabbi Myers, by the way, for both his statements before and after the meeting with President Trump, I think the only response is that, yes, the President of the United States belongs in Pittsburgh in the aftermath of this massacre. I would assume you agree with that. I do agree with it, and I think the visit was executed well. I had real reservations. I was afraid of, uh, you know, the last thing you need now is something uh, that could have exploded, in, in, in not literally, but, uh, uh, you know, the big demonstrations that were uh, demonstrations. Uh, people have are entitled to their uh, view and to be concerned and uh, about uh, uh, any individual, any elected person, but the fact that the president, the governor, the mayor across political lines yep. have been out there assertively uh, is really an important. Uh, it's an important message, and it's a message to the American people and to his supporters that the president is condemning it. Yeah, the as I said earlier, the public official response. 
uh, to this uh, really, uh, really uh, got me. Um, it was very, very much heartwarming. Um, all right. Uh, speaking of elections, there are a couple other issues I want to get to before we completely run out of time. Uh, speaking of elections, so now, uh, well, we'll start with Beit Shemesh, where Dr. Aliza Block did win the election in Tel Aviv. Ron Holdai will now have a fifth term uh, in um, in Haifa. My cousin, who was uh, Yona Yahav, who was um, who was a mayor for 15 years, lost to Einat uh, Kalish Rotem, so she'll be the new mayor of Haifa. I jokingly, of course, when I was first told about that result, said fake news, but he's now no longer in office. And in Yerushalayim, it's Moshe Leon and Ofer Berkovich in the runoff. I guess the real, the real question, or the only question um, that people have for you at this point, do, do you think this is a referendum on the prime minister, that his candidate for a mayor of Jerusalem is not in the runoff? I, I think that goes too far. He, I was surprised he campaigned with uh, Elkin, who is the Minister for Jerusalem Affairs and remains the Minister for Jerusalem Affairs, uh, and a good friend and guy who's been, we've worked with for many years, a capable guy, uh, so is uh, Moshe Leon, and um, they were counting on that fact that uh, the Deutsch Haredi candidate was uh, would have had a broader repeal. And as he said, if all the orth- uh, the religious parties had united, because they split over who, who, who they were backing. Um, but the I, so I don't think that this is in my, my discussions with Israeli experts. They do not see it as a referendum. Um, uh, Elkins, people critical of Elkins' campaign about the way it was conducted. Uh, the um, there was huge investments in in these uh, races. I think the election in Haifa to me is very some uh, some. Significant, and uh, that's not uh, nobody says that's a referendum on Netanyahu. And you're if if he really is your cousin, oh, he I, is. I've known Yona for 50 years, <laughs> he's amazing. My mother's first cousin, and uh, this he served, I think, three terms already, or this, uh, yeah, 15 years, right? Three 15 terms. years, yeah. So, uh, that is, I think, an important uh, statement. I can't believe he never told you I'm his cousin, <laughs> he denied it, and and Huldayi uh, was also. Quite left, you know, had more of a race than than they had anticipated. Uh, so I think that the, the, we there will be much more analysis about the, the, this, including the fact that you had a very big turnout. I think it was the biggest, you know, non-prime ministerial election turnout, uh, and they, people anticipate this year in an off-year election in America will will maybe a record turnout right. or near record. Well, and the speculation, and Cachlon said it, you know, his prediction that now they will call, once this runoff ends on Tuesday, I believe it is, in Yerushalayim, they, they will, Danielle will call for new elections. you think that's going to happen? Look, I think it's inevitable. It, it, it's going to be next year no matter what, right. uh, because the government's term runs out. But I, I think um, the general speculation, uh, and if you had a bet, it would be March. Uh, they don't want to do it when in the, in the winter, too much in the winter time because uh, it holds people back. But and Netanyahu likes to do it in March, mm. so I think that that would be uh, all right. Uh, so we're reasonable. in we're in for four months of campaigning now. I better warm up my Eretz Nad around in Israel it's every day, yeah, that's every true. year, no matter what. I got to warm up my Eretz Nadera channel because <laughs> they're going to be uh, spoofing this uh, campaign. I'm sure for months at uh, at this time. Um, um, all right, so those are the results, and the Beit Shemesh one also significant, but uh, I don't think we need to go into detail, but everybody was, I guess, half the people were surprised and half the people weren't. Malcolm, finally, you mentioned Instagram, or at least social media, 
Uh, and yes, that battle's got to be fought, and it is becoming. And someone, I was sent an article this morning just about uh, Instagram itself. How it's becoming a haven for anti-Semitic photos and posts, etc. Uh, Twitter already, you know, I think everybody understands what kind of hateful uh, a forum that's become. So that battle has to be won, has to be fought and won. Uh, but what do you what do you say to people? And you and I have discussed boycotts, and I think as a general statement, I think we can agree that you, you most of the time you never really recommend you know, full-out boycotts. One individually wants to do something, that's, you know, obviously their choice to do it. But what's the reaction to the Ben and Jerry thing? When when they when they pose with Linda Sarsour and they get the type of publicity that they get for this new flight, what, just tell us what our reaction should be. Look, their political orientation has been well-known. And, uh, you know, many people have appeared with Linda Sarsour. We've tried to educate them and get people to understand the, the stance that she takes, the views that she takes. And then individuals have to make a decision, you know, if they feel that they cannot support people who aid and abet those who, who are engaging in hostile comments and, and activities uh, across the board. It's it's not, you know, just one. It's it's There's many, and I think people have to react. We don't dismiss anything anymore. We cannot allow people to, to foment uh, anti-Israel feelings uh, and, uh, and lies and distortions uh, and just feel they can do it with impunity. And that, you know, you can be selective, you can, but those who rise up and defend these people at any cost, no matter what they say, no matter what they do, you know, I, I see it with the PA can issue edicts that, that it's high treason to sell property to a Jew, yep. and the, the, the Supreme Court rules on it, and the, I mean, the highest uh, Muslim court, and you don't hear a word that this is uh, is bigotry or racism or um, uh, you know, that, that uh, anything comparable by Israel would would create a, a storm and would never happen in that way. So people, we have to have zero tolerance for intolerance, and that's not just a phrase. I mean, that's got to really be the policy. And you see that a lot of barriers, especially when we talk about Israel coming down. You know, the prime minister is now meeting with in this group that uh, meets in Bulgaria, Romania, Serbia. First time a prime minister of Israel, Greece, um, it, it participates. You see the uh, openness with which he's greeted in, in uh, on his recent trips all over in Africa, including Oman. And and I was going to say, and the big thing this week was the visit in Oman, uh, which is significant. And the fact that Atikva was played in Abu Dhabi at the Judo Grand Slam yeah. twice because Israel won two gold medals, right. and the people cheered and the people stood up for Atikva as they did for. Uh, uh, all the other national anthems, and last year that would not have been possible. It wasn't, in fact, not possible right. last year, and we pressed very hard for this when I visited UAE, etc., and they sent me a note before the Grand Slam began and said, any Israeli wins will be treated like everybody else. And Kahaya, they did it. And the um, you know, we, and, uh, you know, we're going to be tested with other things. You know, the new sanctions are going to come out probably today at, at 11 o'clock. Uh, the new sanctions against Iran, uh, and there could be, you know, reactions to that. And we have to be be aware, you know, that Iran is behind fomenting a lot of anti-Semitism around the world. A lot of these websites, uh, a, a lot of the activities, they have uh, instigators everywhere, and you know, they focus. We focus on Russia's activities, but Iran's also using the internet to destabilize here in America to foment intergroup hatred and. Uh, and racism, bigotry, uh, no, they're not exempt from it. And they have, 
you know, now in, in Denmark coming out and saying we have to take action to the, their European colleagues because there was a plot in Denmark by uh, Iranian, former Iranians living in Denmark, but tied to Iranian um, security to, to, to kill dissidents who are there, the Ahwaz uh, people. France, the same thing. And they're calling all of a sudden the same people who fought us on every aspect of the JCPOA. And, and there will be criticism of some of the sanctions because it doesn't deal enough with the SWIFT, which we've discussed, which is the banking in the network. Uh, I'm hopeful that the, those things will be strengthened later. But what they wanted to do was something now that, um, I mean, there were people in the government who advocated for it. Uh, John Bolton wanted tougher. Mnuchin wanted uh, these exemptions for European countries, and certain countries got also in the purchase of oil. Uh, but overall, the impact will be very strong. The administration has already imposed sanctions on a lot of individuals and organizations, but that debate, you know, we will hear it, uh, and especially before the election. Uh, as both sides, you know, try to to, to capitalize on it. Uh, but we also have to remember the governments have to look at things uh, with a certain pragmatism, uh, uh, although I'm in favor of the toughest sanctions on Iran always, because it, it does make a difference. We see the changes inside Iran, the, the dissent. There were 6,000 economic demonstrations last year, meaning beyond the ethnic and other tensions, 6,000. You don't see that in the New York Times and reported. What is that? An average of ten a day? Thirteen a day. That's unbelievable. And and it, and and some days more. But the average is thirteen demonstrations across the country every day. Uh, so the the unrest, the destabilization of Iran is a huge factor, and it will limit, hopefully, limit their ability. We see that Hezbollah, for instance, now has um, you know blue boxes all over Lebanon to raise money, and it says you can be a partner with them, you know, to to uh, but give. And believe me, I assure you, they don't give everybody such a choice about whether they give or not. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is. Uh, uh, but there's a lot of resentment against their a- activities, and and, um, and and you know these are global phenomena. I saw a, a really remarkable decision um, uh, against New Zealand BDS activists. They have to pay for the the cancellation by uh, the singer Lord in Israel because they, they you know of their activities to to convince not to come. But, you know, we're dealing with so many aspects of of all of this all the time, and and it's up to each of us to keep the focus on it and especially talk to your kids about it over this Shabbos. They they saw the pictures. Explain to them what happened. Don't scare them. Don't, you know, it's not happening everywhere and to everybody. But with Crystal Knox's 80th anniversary coming up next Thursday, and it's completely different. That was government-organized. Right. We'll talk about it, I assume, next week. Yeah. But the 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 lesson that hatred, behold, darvodar, omdi malenu, not omdu malenu. It's now. It's every generation, and each generation learns from the past to meet the challenges now. Uh, show up for Shabbat, Malcolm. A peaceful, safe, and unified Shabbat for the entire Jewish world, especially for those who are still reeling in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. Malcolm Holmline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. A lot of very important messages during this weekly update. Let's hope we internalize them and put them into practice as best as possible, especially during this very important Shabbat.